Welcome to the Kim Kim Podcast, where we share travel stories from all over the world. We learn from our local experts, travelers, and travel entrepreneurs. Travel is our way of life, and we aspire to inspire more people to travel to interesting places and to have memorable experiences. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Kim Kim Podcast. My name is Joost Shreve and I'm co-founder and CEO of Kim Kim. Today, I have Andrea Widler as my guest. Andrea is one of the founders of Local Aventura. Welcome to the podcast, Andrea. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's gonna be a pretty interesting uh, discussion today because um, you, know, you could say that uh, we're quite similar, right? You, would even, you could even say that uh, we may be competing, so uh, it's, gonna be, uh, it's gonna be an interesting talk for sure. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah, so maybe uh, uh, about that fact, right? So uh, typically, um, as an early stage startup, uh, I feel like uh, you're kind of making the market together. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to, uh, you know, we, we try not to uh, think of uh, companies kind of at our early stage uh, who may be doing something in the same market really as, as competition. So it's, uh, you know, it's really a pleasure to talk to you and share ideas. And hopefully our listeners can also pick up some interesting uh, strategies here on, on how to grow an early stage concept like this. Yeah, I totally agree. We've, we've spoken to a lot of our competitors too. And the way I think about it is the more people that we can get to travel in a safe, secure way where they're having a wonderful experience and taking advantage of the time that they have off on vacation, the better. Um, and I know I mentioned this to you, but we, we focus at least local Aventura on the Latin American market. Um, which is one that definitely, uh, a lot of people need help with. So, you know, if we're able to do it, if somebody else is able to do it and we're able to help each other bring more people in a safe and fun way to Latin America, that's, that's one of our goals. Exactly. Yeah. So with that, uh, please, uh, introduce yourself a little bit more, like uh, talk about your background. What did you do before starting this company, uh, et cetera? Yeah. So I, um, I was an initially born in the North of Chile, actually my mom's Chilean and my father's British. I grew up in New York, um, kind of, uh, we found an in-between ground, right? And then I did my undergraduate studies at Cornell University, focused a bit on business. Um, after that, I worked as a consultant for five years, and I always knew that I wanted to own my own business, or at some point that I wanted to uh, do a project in entrepreneurship. And so when I was offered the opportunity to go to Wharton Business School, um, I knew that it was a time where it would make sense to explore that interest. And so I immersed myself in the entrepreneurship groups that we had. I tested actually several ideas. Local Aventura wasn't the only one. And in one of my classes, entrepreneurial classes, I met my co-founder, Gina Brown. And the two of us started on the journey of testing out the market, speaking with customers, trying to understand if Local Aventura was an idea that had legs. And the more we spoke to our local guides in Latin America, and, and heard that their biggest challenge was finding customers. And then on the flip side, the more that we spoke to customers and heard that their biggest challenge was finding authentic local guides who spoke great English, who offered a high quality professional tour, uh, the more we realized that this was a really exciting idea. And I'll tell you that we heard so many times from customers that they would show up in Machu Picchu with thousands of dollars in cash and meet a random person that they had found online and they really had no idea whether or not this person was safe or secure or would show up on time and 
would offer them a really good tour. And so that's the problem that that we've um, been trying to solve with Local Aventura. And, and that's a little bit about how, how we got involved doing it. Great, great. No, that's, uh, that's great. It make, makes a lot of sense. Uh, quite similar to uh, our thinking behind uh, Kim Kim as well. Um, and so um, you, you talked about uh, looking at some other business opportunities as well. Can you... Um, uh, talk a little bit about how this one really stuck out as uh, the one that you like most and uh, you, f- you felt had the best uh, opportunity and potential. Sorry, can you say that question again? It broke up a little bit. Uh, sorry about that. So basically, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the other ideas you were considering as well? Uh, you mentioned that you were looking at other startup ideas as well. Um, oh, how yeah. Did, uh, how did the idea for Loco Aventura um, kind of win out eventually? So I actually took a really interesting class at Wharton. Uh, It was around uh, web design and innovation. It's a class taught by Professor Carl Carl Ulrich. And he um, uses this method called the innovation tournament. Have you heard of this method? I have not heard of it, no. Yeah. And so basically the idea is that you start out with a set of, you know, it could be hundreds of ideas. And so, and as, you know, as I tell you to do in business school, I always kept a notebook with any of the ideas that came to mind, right? So I had everything from like a dating app for divorcees, which I thought was exciting. Other people didn't really think was as exciting, um, to, um, a makeup brand that I was thinking about. Anyway, so I had, I had a list of ideas and basically what you come into this innovation tournament doing is you set out your ideas and you work on them for a day with other students and then you pitch the ideas to the whole group. And so you start off with a set of 100 ideas that then gets filtered down to something like 20 to 50 ideas. You work on those like higher potential ideas for another day. And then throughout, you basically just filter out until you end up with the best version of your initial idea. And so I'll tell you that, you know, and we did this course over uh, maybe four or five days, um, but using that model I thought was really helpful. Um, so. Any of the ideas I had, I would talk to my friends in business school and outside and ask them what they thought was the potential for those ideas. And the more we got input from outsiders, we were actually not only able to validate the idea for local aventura, but get but develop it and make it a better idea than it had been initially. Right. No, that's great. I mean, it's uh, it's a great lesson to uh, listen to feedback early on and try to see if uh, what you have in mind really uh, resonates with with others, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, so that's how we kind of started. But then we also ran an MVP um, where we did kind of like a pilot with a group of five to 10 customers. Um, and using the information that we had from just doing that pilot really helped inform what the business model would ultimately be for local Aventura. Uh, we realized that in the pilot, we were trying to be a travel agency and trying to offer everything from hotels uh, to advice, to itineraries, and we quickly found out that that was not the value that um, that customers were looking for with local Aventura. What they were actually looking for is uh, curated local guides that they could book uh, either custom tours with or tours that were already set out. Right, right. Them. That makes sense. And any uh, feedback uh, uh, sort of uh, that challenged really your ideas? Um, you know, of course, from my own experience as an entrepreneur, you have to find that line, that that fine line between, um, you know, listening to feedback, but at the same time, if you value uh, every piece of feedback, you may never start something because there's always uh, plenty of reasons why people say, "Oh, this is never going to work." You know, how can you ever compete with those big companies that are already in space? Uh, how 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 will people trust you, etc.? So, you know, can you maybe talk a little bit about the balance between being somewhat stubborn and 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 believing in yourself 
despite uh, comments yeah. uh, of the contrary, etc. Yes, one of the early pushbacks that I can remember and that I think is still really interesting and I still keep in mind is um, customers would say to us or people thinking about our idea would say, well, there's already, um, you know, people can already do Google searches, people can use TripAdvisor, people can use Fodders or Lonely Planet um, in order to plan their trip. And so maybe there's already enough support in this area and maybe there isn't as much room for local aventura. Um, but I'll tell you that at least in the Latin American market, um, I'll give you the example of Chile. Um, I went on maybe 50 to 100 tours in Chile, right? So I have a pretty good sense of like what makes a good tour guide and, and what makes a, a tour guide who just doesn't have the same level of professionalism. And quickly on those tours, did you do those purely to test uh, your, your company or was it also to uh, just you know, travel as part of uh, your own uh, travels? In, at this stage, it was more so for the company, and I'll tell you that part of Local Aventura's value is that unlike some of the other booking platforms that let anybody on the platform, we actually filter and thoroughly vet every single one of our guides. And so the idea with, with our platform is that we have high-quality and professional guides. And so this is part of our business process is learning a bit about what is the actual experience that a guide offers on our platform. Mm-hmm. Great. And so in doing that... Um, you know, it was incredible. I, I really got the chance to meet and connect with, learn from um, a set of incredible guides in Chile. But one of the interesting takeaways that I had was actually one of the top rated guides, according to TripAdvisor, was a guide that I actually didn't think was within the top 50% of those that I had interviewed. Right, right. He was probably good at uh, getting people to review him, right? Exactly. And so what we learned was that he was incredible at getting people to review him and at social media. And he's this incredibly charming, great guy. But in terms of like the quality of what he was providing on the on the tour, the amount of content was pretty low. The places that he was taking you to weren't exactly the places that you would want to be going on a city day tour. And so so that's exactly right. And so even though I trust in TripAdvisor and I use TripAdvisor all the time, what I found interesting was that I think particularly in markets where TripAdvisor is still developing or where some of the other resources, like even even Yelp, for example, or some of these like marketplaces are still developing, um, it is still a bit difficult to be able to filter through. Um, the other thing that we notice on TripAdvisor and, some of, and again, some of the other marketplaces is that travel agencies tend to be high or, or large booking platforms or instead of individual or small local guides who, in my opinion, often offer some of the most authentic, incredible experiences. And like, they really put their heart and soul into it. And so, so those are some of the learnings that we've had and, and definitely was worth the time and effort testing out the market in person in order to fully understand. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, totally agree that uh, TripAdvisor, which of course I know well from having worked there for uh, five years, um, you know, is, is, is a great uh, scalable kind of global, uh, you know, a platform and product where anywhere in the world you can pull it up and uh, it will have something relevant. But I totally agree with you that um, it's really uh, challenging for them to uh, to offer real quality and people who really care about uh, traveling kind of, um, uh, you know, in an authentic and local way and, and really learn uh, more about uh, and make the most of their travels. Uh, there's going to be a lot better ways uh, than, than just TripAdvisor and, uh, and that's what we're building, right? And uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, hey, so, um, you know, this kind of brings me to another interesting question is how do you, how do you acquire users, right? In, tra- in travel, 
companies like TripAdvisor are very strong at um, search engine optimization. Uh, you know, everyone knows about them. How do you how do you kind of um, how do you make sure that users know about you? Like uh, when I go to let's say I plan a trip to uh, Chile, how would I ever find out about you guys? Yeah, I think that's that's actually such an interesting question. One where I feel like I've learned a ton about. We probably have around three different three to five different channels where we acquire customers. One of the first ones and one of the ones that I think is extremely interesting is through advertising through Facebook and Google Ads. And so uh, we have uh, been testing various different types of ads, niche ads, kind of more broad ads to understand, you know, how can we get out to our target market? And it's incredible to me how effective those ads can actually be. So that's probably mm -hmm. our first channel. So do, can you uh, mention an example of a, of a Facebook ad, for example, that uh, works really well? And of course, only share things that uh, you want me to know and the rest of the world. <laughs> Sure. I'll tell you that one of the most interesting, here's another fun fact, right? We have a set of incredible tours throughout Chile, Argentina, Uruguay, and Peru on our site today. And of those tours, of course, we have uh, walking tours. We have historical tours of different cities and local areas. But we also really care about providing unique and interesting tours. And so we have a really incredible photography workshop where uh, you go through a workshop and then you do a photo shoot throughout the day. We also have a Pisco tasting class in Lima, Peru, and we have cooking classes. And so what I love is that we can offer something really unique. And so coming to the example of a, a Facebook ad that has been particularly effective, one of our first customer calls was from um, a, a couple who was looking to do fly fishing in Patagonia. And I think that's a perfect example of how... Um, SEO and Facebook ads can be extremely niche and extremely effective uh, because this couple was actually planning their entire trip around making sure that they could do fly fishing. And that was like one of the most important things that they wanted to do on their trip. And so understanding these niche customers and reaching out to them and sharing, you know, incredible guides that can show them an incredible day of fly fishing is uh, the type of thing that, that we try to share with the world. Uh, and then you mentioned other um, acquisition channels as well, right, that uh, worked for you guys? Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably the first one. Another one that we care a lot about is um, putting out great content, um, so improving our SEO, and then also uh, through, our, through our blog posts, through our social media, um, especially in a world where travel is becoming more visual and more picture-oriented. For us, Instagram and our YouTube channel are becoming areas that we're putting, dedicating a lot of time to. Um, and then a, a third one is a little bit more on the ground. So we've been testing with grassroots promotion where we work with par local partners. And so, for example, one of the ones that I think is really interesting is working with local language schools who um, have very similar interests to us. Right. They're trying to offer their students a really cool, authentic experience, trying to get them immersed into the culture. And so if we can immerse them by both having uh, Spanish or other language classes along with uh, tours that are really authentic that can be kind of a complimentary offering right right cool that's great uh, any other channels um, or that's uh, that's pretty much uh, that's, that's the overview of the channels I guess you know I think those are the primary ones but I am constantly thinking about and looking into new ones so for example one of uh, one of the best resources that I've seen is this book called traction have you had a chance to read that one I actually have not no tell me about it yeah it's 
it's actually really good. Uh, several of my entrepreneurial friends uh, from business school recommended it. It's a it's a short and very effective read, I think. And one of the and they talk about you know something like twenty different channels of how you can acquire customers. Oh, okay, right? yeah, I think I've it, heard of the book. Uh, has been recommended to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So it's on my list. Yeah. Cool. It's a good one. It's a really cool. good one. And one of the things that they recommend, you know, along with the typical ones that you would think about advertising, SEO, et cetera, are, um, are thinking about how you can do unique um, and, and unique and kind of like big splash worthy events or competitions. And so they talk about different examples of times where there have been giveaways or times where there have been um, competitions that you provide online that actually drive a ton of traffic to your website. One of the other things that I remember is I spoke with an advisor who used to work at Nutella and she talked about how they had this really sophisticated advertising plan where, you know, each week they would have several posts to social media. And one of the members of her team suggested, why don't we just do something simple and put up the question, should Nutella be paired with bananas or strawberries? And it actually, turns, yeah. and she, she thought that that was kind of a, you know, not really sophisticated enough an idea or not really like a good question to be posing to the world. But turns out that that simple post uh, drove kind of like one of the biggest days of traffic that they yeah. had. I can totally see that actually. About, <laughs> right? That's cool. And so, yeah. and, and that's, that's like really kind of counterintuitive to me sometimes because, um, it seems like something so simple can actually be really provocative. Um, and you know, we spend a lot of time trying to use our, data and analytics trying to try to drive results that make sense um, and that are sophisticated and that work using a strategy. But sometimes I know, and especially as a consultant, I have that tendency where sometimes I try to be like overly strategic. But um, yep. I, so I do try to put that aside sometimes to just say, like, let's just try things that might be new, might be different, but might actually really work. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. As a, Also as an MBA, right? So both of us have an MBA, I guess sometimes you... Uh, you have this tendency to overanalyze, although I think I, I lost that uh, tendency a long time ago. So uh, I'm just going, uh, you know, since, since I started you, companies. That's definitely uh, what I'm working on. Exactly, exactly. That's probably the, <laughs> probably the most important transition from uh, to become an entrepreneur. At some point, you just um, you just try things and, and go as hard as you can, and it uh, doesn't matter if it's uh, if it sounds uh, silly or you know, you just uh, you just focus on getting the results. Um, we've been using this mantra at my company. Uh, we've been telling the whole team to just go and break things. Right. Exactly. And so there will be times where they post things online and they get kicked out of groups and they feel disappointed. And I actually tell them, no, that's the opposite. It means that we're trying something and we're testing and we're seeing, you know, where we can push the boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. And so uh, maybe talk a little bit about your team. So your team is uh, located uh, in uh, South America in different places, right? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we care a lot about is that if we're going to be offering Latin American tours that were physically located here, understanding the market and being able to provide really cool suggestions to our customers. Right. So often we hear about friends of ours who calling their travel agencies and their you know, travel agent is located in Connecticut, trying to give them advice for how they should travel in Chile or in Patagonia, right? And so for us, it's really important that we have been there and know exactly what to do. And so we have a, we are still um, pretty early. We have a small team. Uh, we have a crew based in Brazil, another based in Colombia. Uh, our developers are based in Chile, and I'm currently in Mexico City. And so the idea is, is that it, and actually, we're an extremely virtual company. I would say that we have learned to use every single tour uh, tool in the book 
around how you can work virtually. And that's something that has been a cool challenge, um, but has offered us the ability to stretch out across Latin America. And so um, we're really interested in, in being the lead tours and activities platform in Latin America. And so we're now thinking about how to expand into some of the markets where we're physically placed. But um, having our team kind of spread out a bit means that we all have really interesting, unique experiences, but really learn from the local culture and from being in the market. Right, right. No, that's great. I mean, uh, it's totally, um, it resonates a lot to, uh, you know, there's small things you, you do and you understand when you are actually um, based in the markets where you are operating, right? And uh, um, yeah, there's definitely something um, uh, we struggle with a little bit. We're, we're based in Silicon Valley, which uh, is a great place to start companies, but it's, uh, you know, the, the, the trips take place somewhere else. And so we try to push ourselves to travel to those destinations uh, often. Um, and it's interesting because you, it's sometimes hard to justify it again, like if you would analyze this kind of as an MBA or as a consultant, like why, you know, why do you need to be there? Like, you know, in theory you don't, right? But, but then in practice, uh, it makes all the difference for relationship building, for, um, you know, just kind of getting a really good feel for uh, what's going on on the ground in those destinations. And one other thing just to add to that, so I totally agree with you, but the travel business is changing so quickly in Latin America, especially. So just to give you one example, if you think about Uber. So Uber has been in Chile for the past few years. Uber just launched in Argentina. Uber has been in Uruguay for a couple of years. And when I was in Argentina two weeks ago, it was very clear to me how um, Uber is going to really change the way that transportation happens to and from airports, right? Mm -hmm. And right. so being able to tell our customers instead of having to call a remise in advance or instead of having to be able to speak Spanish to call a taxi driver that um, you may have never heard of, that you randomly found online, we can actually say, you know, here is a trusted transfer or taxi driver that we've used before, or actually you can get around this city today using Uber very easily. Right. And right. so knowing those facts about, uh, knowing those facts around how travel is changing so quickly in these different countries, I think, has been, at least for us, a value add to for our customer base. Right, totally agree. Cool. Um, hey, so maybe uh, uh, talk a little bit about some of your uh, destinations. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned some of them, but um, you know, give us a, a quick pitch of you know, why should people travel to Chile, to, to uh, you know, some of the other destinations you have. Uh, what are some of the really cool new things that you're offering there? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I could talk about all of the countries that were that we're in right now because I'm so excited about some of the tours that we have. I'll tell you some of our most popular destinations and one that I would really recommend actually is Patagonia. And I know I'm from Chile, so I'm a little bit biased, but having traveled quite extensively and lives extensively throughout Latin America, um, I think Patagonia is one of the most incredible and beautiful places um, that we have as a treasure in Latin America. And so and Patagonia is accessible uh, both from Argentina and Chile, right? It is. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, there's a little bit of difference between the two. So uh, Argentina has beautiful cities like Calafate, for example. Um, Chile has the right. yeah, and Chile has um, Torres del Paine, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people uh, tend to associate with Patagonia because they have uh, an incredible W or O trek that people can do. Uh, but one of the reasons why I highlight Patagonia is because um, it is only accessible really during uh, Chile's kind of like summer and a little bit in the spring and fall. Um, and so at least for uh, people traveling there from the U.S., going 
during our winter is the best time to go. And so this, you know, if you're planning your winter break travels now, December, November, December, January is a perfect time to be in Patagonia. Um, and I'll tell you that it is one of the most spectacular views, like literally everywhere you look in this place, you can have beautiful photos, um, everything from glaciers to horseback riding to barbecue asados with, um, with the locals to trekking if you want to do that, or you can do kind of like day trips where you're either on beautiful cruises, passing by glaciers, um, seeing penguins. So it's just in terms of like what you could get out of that, it's an incredible experience. And I typically tell people that if they're going to go to Patagonia, they should stay in Santiago for a few days as well to see kind of the difference between both places. In Santiago, you are able to, one of the things that I love about Santiago is that you're able to hit the Andes mountains in an hour and go skiing. Or at the same time, in that same hour, you can go out to various different wine regions. Or in that same hour, you can hit the coast and be um, in beautiful beaches in Valparaíso and Viña. Um, or in that same hour, you could be outside in really cute little cities like Bomaire that are extremely local and authentic. Um, or you could spend the whole day in Santiago and there's, you know, three to five days worth of things to do just in Santiago from learning about Pablo Neruda to um, taking a, doing a cooking class and learning about authentic Chilean cuisine to uh, learning about the history of the coup d'etat, for example, in Chile in the 1970s. Um, so anyway, so I, uh, I tend to think that Chile is an extremely dynamic and exciting place to be in it, especially since the winter is coming up in the U.S., Patagonia is one of the areas that I would highly recommend. Right. Sounds great. Any other destination that uh, is maybe sort of surprising or, or maybe upcoming uh, where there may be something that uh, people don't really think about when they're traveling to South America? So one of the places that I also hold close to my heart is Peru. Um, Machu Picchu, of course, people think of, but um, I also, I, I highly recommend various different areas in Peru. And so um, a typical 10 to 15 trip that I would recommend is spending several days in Lima. And one of the reasons why I bring up Lima is because when you talk about up and coming, Peru is one of the fastest growing economies in Latin America. In terms of cities and development, Lima has developed several beautiful neighborhoods over the past few years um, and and very much worth going to visit and have and and the other thing about Lima or about Peru that is really up and coming is the gastronomy. And so Peru has one of the strongest um, and finest cuisines in the world. Um, one of their very important and famous chefs, Gaston Arpurio, um, has really helped develop this industry there. And because of that, the restaurants in Lima and in Peru are incredible um, and extremely affordable too for a, a U.S. tourist. And so what I would say is spending a few days in Lima, then going and seeing the spectacular views in Machu Picchu, spending some time in Cusco, which is the city closest to Machu Picchu, where you can get a really authentic view of Latin America. You can meet um, and, and you can do all and you can learn all about the Incan ruins and kind of Incan civilization. And then the other thing that Peru has to offer is you could do a few extra days either in the desert or in the Peruvian jungle. And so that's one of the things that I also love about Peru is that I think it's something like they have 83 of the 89 microclimates in the world. And so what that means is they have literally everything. And so you can grow almost every food type in somewhere in Peru, which is why they have such an incredibly diverse um, and 
and um, exquisite type of food. Oh. Um, I, I went so rafting there the, actually outside of Cusco once and it was amazing. Like it was a, a huge yeah. hike down a, a very steep canyon. So you start pretty high up. We did even some mountain biking there first and then you hike down this very steep canyon and you get to this amazing river where you then, you know, raft for two days and it's uh, it's just amazing. Um, uh, and as you say, you, you kind of uh, path through many different climates, right? Uh, high up in the mountains, it was pretty kind of... Uh, colder and everything and then you get to this really tropical uh, canyon it was, uh, it was totally beautiful yeah you can see that's the thing about it is that even if you just go for a short trip you can really see a huge diversity in one country um, and i hope that you also while you were there got to try the gui or the guinea pig that is like a traditional meal in peru um not sure i think we definitely ate alpaca <laughs> um so i can't oh, yeah, remember about uh, the pig but uh, this is like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago so um, but I tend to try a lot of different food, so I may have actually tried it. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's definitely a fun one and a different one than what you would typically find. But um, but as I mentioned, I mean, the cuisine in, in Peru is just everything from the, the fish from the ocean to the interesting combinations of fruits and vegetables that come out of the rainforest, I think is, if you're a foodie, that's a really good place to hit. All right. All right. Very cool. Very cool. So maybe to, to wrap it up, um, uh, can you share... A travel experience that you yourself had um, uh, and that really uh, was a profound experience that uh, maybe even uh, changed your life uh, to some extent. Sure. Maybe no pressure on the on the tough question, but... Uh. No, no, no. I, I, um, I've had so many travel experiences that I feel that are transformational, but I'll, I'll share one just because it was um, the one that came to my mind as soon as you asked the question. So my um, growing up, my best friend was Indian. And I had the great fortune of pretty much adopting her parents as my second set of parents. And they invited me to all their community activities. And so I would go to Pudgeons with them on Friday. I would be invited to Holy every year. I had this several stories in, in, in my New York, own closet. Yeah, this is when I grew up in New York. And so, um, yeah, everything from knowing and growing up with the food and the cuisine to growing up with the culture is something that I, I've always kind of considered myself as having a little bit of like... Uh, love for India, even though you know. Right. I this have is actually no... such a great aspect of the U.S. Actually, that uh, you know, you, yeah. you live in New York and uh, you're from South America, and they're from India, and you, you know, you, you, you yeah. become best friends. It's it's amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's really. Uh, I think people who don't live here, they sometimes don't understand how how amazing uh, the U.S. is for those kind of uh, experiences. Yeah, it was funny. My group of friends, we had um, an Italian immigrant family, this Indian friend that I mentioned, another friend who was Irish, Nigerian, and another friend who was Jewish, all in our group of five-ish friends. And so, yeah, it was pretty, we always thought of ourselves as being pretty diverse. But, um, but so growing up with this Indian friend, um, I, as I was saying, I was pretty immersed in their culture. But one of the moments that stands out is when her family friend invited me and her to a, her wedding in India. And so, of course, having that opportunity is kind of once in a lifetime. And so we packed our bags and, and made it to India and, and showed up in New Delhi. And I remember one of the first things that they did was give us a itinerary and a schedule. And what I hadn't realized is that not only was I invited to the wedding, but I was invited to be part of the wedding party. <laughs> and so this woman's wedding party was a group of 30-ish women who were all supporting her and around her. And so the schedule that I was given was actually an itinerary of events that I needed to be at. 
And then in addition to that, I was then introduced to the choreographer who was going to teach me the Bollywood dance that I would then have to perform in front of a thousand people. And so all of a sudden I went from being invited to this wedding to being fully immersed in it. And, and, you know, this family was incredible. I mean, they, um, had us stay in their home. They had, they invited me to every single event. They shared a book with me about what all the ceremonies meant and why they were important because of course this five day wedding had tons and tons of ceremonies. And so the next thing I know I had gotten on a plane to Delhi and the next thing I know I was performing a Bollywood dance in front of thousands or hundreds of people. Right. And so what I loved about that experience is that, you know, sometimes you kind of just need to be thrown into something that is completely, I mean, I love to dance, but I'm in no way a good dancer and definitely not a good dancer with Bollywood dancing. And so that was definitely a stretch experience for me. Um, but I, you know, I'm so thankful for that experience. And, and, you know, in that trip, I also got to stay with a family in Jaipur and got to see the Taj Mahal, which I think is one of the most beautiful buildings in the world. And so um, I think being thrown in sometimes is, is the way to do it. And that's one of the examples of when I really I, I could say that I've always grown up surrounded by Indian culture but that's that's a time where I really understood it or I really started to understand um being a little bit more from the inside than I had ever been before right, so right, I right, love that experience right. and I I love India and I plan to go back and it's a crazy place and but I think it's beautiful and has tons of um beauty yeah. in the culture and yeah. in the people yeah, and it's there a good, it's a good example of uh, being pushed out of your comfort zone slightly right when traveling which uh, always uh, makes more for inf- unforgettable uh, Unforgettable experiences. Uh, it's great. Yeah, for sure. Great. Well, Andrea, it was really awesome to talk to you. I'm afraid we have to wrap this uh, up. Uh, I'm sure we can talk uh, for many, many hours about um, travel, and, and we will. Um, but for this podcast, um, uh, I, I think uh, it was really awesome to learn about uh, uh, how you translated your passion into uh, a real business here and uh, how you're growing it. And um, we're, uh, you know, very similar in uh, in phase. We're kind of really making this, uh, trying to make this work uh, early stage. So it's uh, it's great for me uh, to learn from you, and um, and I'm sure it will be great for all our listeners as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much again for the opportunity. And maybe one other thing I will say is that I love helping people plan their trips. Right, so we offer free advice to anybody who's interested in coming to Latin America, and so. Right on our website, people can email us and say, you know, we'd love advice about how to plan our trip to Argentina. And even if they don't end up booking tours with us, I, I love really helping people plan their trips and make sure that it's an authentic and a great one. So um, hopefully that's something that could help your listeners as well. And and like I said, thanks so much again for the opportunity. It's been so great getting a chance to meet you and learn more about Kim Kim. And, um, and I really appreciate it. Great. Same here. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.